0: Welcome to the Social Witnessing Podcast, observing the world from a nice, safe distance. All right, episode 16, Social Witnessing, with my guest, nobody, and my co-host, nobody. That's right, today we decided Sundays are off days. Michelle is doing some of her work to get caught up for the week. Um, And even though I hadn't really planned on doing anything, I think something about this gives me some kind of comfort, some kind of purpose. And so I've just decided, I just wrote down a couple of topics and I'm just going to rant about them a little bit. The thing is, I don't really know what to say about any of them. I haven't haven't planned out anything to say. I just put some subheadings uh, and just, you know, we'll see what comes out. And even though that I probably just lost at least uh, half our viewership, Uh, Shout out Sherry. Um, Yeah, I think I'm just going to go and we'll see what happens, right? So I've been thinking a lot about parenting, as I know everybody has, um, all parents and hopefully some kids too, especially the older kids, those coming home from college, um, spending more time with their parents, uh, high school kids trapped at home. I don't think really the generation of kids that we're raising right now. Uh, Our son's about to turn seven. I don't think they have really any perception of what it means. Uh, I spoke to Parker today a little bit about how awesome it's been to hang out with him and how we wouldn't have had really anything like this uh, if this hadn't happened. And it's the kind of silver lining that everybody talks about. Uh, It's almost become a little uh, tacky uh, just everybody immediately goes to oh well, yeah well the silver lining is just how much time we get to spend with everybody with our families and I think that's it, it's true for a lot of people I don't know if it's true for everyone or if it's just kind of this talky po- talking point or a philosophy that people kind of feel uh, or think about but maybe uh, doesn't mean as much and I think at times that's been the case for me like I know that one day I'll really appreciate this but in the day-to-day sometimes it's hard to really uh, feel that deeply inside and so I've really made it a focus to, I've made it a focus to focus on that Um, and so today I spoke with Parker about it and I said to him that you know you'd be going to school, we'd have a couple of hours in the evening on the weekends, you know, you'd have your activities, you'd have your clubs, you'd be going out. Uh, I'd have to work. You'd be going out for walks with your mom, but now, especially because Michelle has such set, strict hours of work, whereas my work is more of just get it down, just get it done in the over a, a longer timeline. Uh, it's really been me and him for probably like seventy to eighty percent of the last six weeks, which is how long we've been in. Mostly in isolation, because he was sick a week before this all started, and then uh, it all began, and we were we kind of locked ourselves down pretty strictly and sometimes we've had some guests on the past where I talk about how strict we've been with it, and it makes me feel a little bit crazy, but I think for the most part, the more people we have on this, and the more people we speak to um the less crazy I feel about it and the more um, when my ego is really kicking up. Uh, I'll I'll tell Michelle that I'm I was ahead of the curve, you know, that ne- next time, listen to me because she was she she really fought it at the beginning as far as like not going into work. And um, yeah, just in general, she's a much more obviously extroverted person and needing to be around a lot of people and also less anxious um, which wasn't always the case but definitely these days less anxious and to her she kind of thought this was all going to blow over and um it wasn't going to be as big of a deal as it is or as big of a deal as it turned out to be and so i feel like anxious people we we suffer a lot uh internally and more often than not it's about stuff that you really we really don't need to be suffering about self-induced self-induced um and kind of overblown uh, and existential anxiety Uh, but in situations like this i really feel like a healthy dose a healthy dose of anxiety is something that could really i don't know if it's going to save you but uh it's definitely it's definitely put us in a safer position and i'm thankful for it if if not for the last 30 some odd years of it I'm thankful for it at least in this situation because uh, we got on track very early and things like stocking up on food like we haven't gone crazy stockpiling like some people have cleaning out groceries and stuff but you know we have the essentials and we know if if we if it ends up a situation where we can't leave the house for a couple weeks a couple months then we'll most likely be okay but bringing it back to parenting i think it's been very tough to keep that anxiety out of your day-to-day parenting and it's not just the things we say that, that that part is easy to mask it's more of just your way of being of always being present of not wanting to check out and pick up your phone just to get a little distance from the anxiety it's when he when when parker talks about a sore throat or start starts sneezing too much uh not not kind of having a look on your face like oh geez we got it we got it we're infected um there's a very funny TikTok if uh you ever want to see it maybe i'll post it in the show notes about uh, a guy who just uh, coughs one time in mid sentence and then just stops and has this look of panic on his face and turns around and yells, "Ma, I got it! Yeah, I got it!" And I, I, I laughed so hard seeing that because that really feels like that's the inside of my head twenty four seven. And um, you can you can fight against it as much as you want, but um, as an anxious person, it lives there, and uh, it's just a matter of how how much you feed it. Um, but no matter what, it's gonna you're gonna hear it. It's just whether. You're going to let it go at that point when you hear it, or focus on it and let it build, which is what the first couple of weeks of this was It, it was a, a you know like a like a childhood monster that you're, you lie in bed and you you shiver in fear, um, unable to get rid of it. But as it's gone on, um, as kind of practice, some strategies, some meditation, some focus on not. Not stewing in the the anxiousness in talking to people and kind of self realizing that there's nothing there's nothing you can do um, I, one of our past guests, John, spoke about his daughter. They took her to the grocery store, and no matter what they you know you tell them beforehand, suddenly you look over and she 's licking all the fruit and I kind of joked Ah, well, if we got it, we got it and that's that's kind of the mentality ever since then that little that little joke that's kind of has more bases in reality than in humor. Um, I, I've been using that. I hear it in my head when my anxiousness gets too high, I just tell myself, you know, if you got it, you got it. There's, there's literally nothing any of us can do. And so my focus now is on making sure that, and I think a lot of parents do from, from people we've talked to on the podcast, making sure that anxiety doesn't, the kids are already dealing with so much, um, a lot of which they don't even realize they're dealing with now. And that's the other anxiety. There's the anxiety about what's going on now, but there's also the anxiousness of what 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 of this is being stored in their little developing brains and how much of it is going to affect them later on. Um, you hope that it's not too much, and you know people have been through a lot worse and been okay, but there's also people who have been through worst or same and, and not been okay and it's something that's stuck. And we try and kind of when, when either one one of us is feeling anxious about it, we kind of pep talk each other by saying it's not so much what happens now. Like there's there some unavoidable stuff that's going on for most kids now. There's nothing we can really do about it. The situation is what it is, but it's how we talk to them about it and how we go on from here. And later on, if we need to deal with it, then just dealing with it in an understanding and compassionate way. Uh, If we get a whole generation of germaphobes coming out of this, then, you know, we'll just, we're such an aware generation for the most part, Uh, thanks to the sharing of information, thanks to how big meditation, even things like yoga, um, we're really aware of what's what's going on in our minds and our body and how we talk to our kids about it. And how we teach them and i spend a lot of time since he was a little little baby um i spent a lot of time with parker talking about how to deal with emotions how to deal with thoughts uh grown-up land we call them intrusive thoughts Uh, as little kids they're monsters under the bed which i dealt with a lot as a kid i was constantly scared at night uh terrified really and it was i don't know fascinating is the right word um but It was was quite a trip to see Parker go through that same thing and and seem to live through the same anxieties. And for the first time in my life, it made me very happy that I went through what I went through. Because my wife, for example, Michelle, she she didn't have that sort of anxiety. Um, Maybe that was because she had a bigger family, they were closer together and shared rooms So maybe that's kind of stunted it. Or maybe she just, it's a, Chemical thing inside each of our bodies where I had just had a more anxious um, side of things and she had less. But I felt like I was uniquely um, adept at, or I don't know if that's the right word, but I was uniquely situated to help Parker through his in a way that my parents weren't um, able to do for me because I don't think they understood it. And that's not a, a blame thing, that's just the reality. If there's many things in life where, if or at least this is what I feel. Uh, I'm not going to be talking about any giant truths for all mankind, but for me at least, there's many things that I see that if, if you haven't experienced them, it's really tough to have any kind of insight and any, any deep, uh, any, offer any kind of deep, realistic meaning to it. And so, with all the struggles Parker had uh, and still does to a certain extent, but it's gotten so much better. I was just so happy with all, with with the way I had to experience it in my childhood. Um, and through that, I really was able to help him kind of start to reflect at the, a, a young, young age, two, three years old, start to reflect. And what is your mind doing right now? Is it bringing you any benefit? And what are some strategies you can use to combat it? And I think that's something that the generations before us, uh, definitely not if we go two generations back, but probably not even one generation back, uh, they ne- they didn't have that kind of awareness of like teaching uh, emotional intelligence, um, being aware of your thoughts, of your feelings, learning how to deal with them properly. That's stuff that we've gone through because of therapy, which didn't used to be a big thing, and because of sharing of information, listening to... Um, uh, you know um, philosophers and um, spiritual teachers and uh, Buddhist monks were really helpful to me when I was younger before Parker was born and I feel very fortunate uh, especially when he was just I think he was under one yeah under one years old uh, I ended up going to a, a 10-day silent meditation retreat and I think that That really, I was already feeling very uh, kind of in tune with thoughts and feelings. But that experience of sitting there for 16 hours a day without talking, without making eye contact, without having absolutely anything to do, but sitting and uh, practicing being aware of your thoughts and disengaging from them. I think that was a really transformative experience. And even though it's not something... Even though I I don't practice um, in my weak moments, at least I'm not I'm not practice I'm not meditating every single day, and I'm not aware a hundred percent of the time. But just even just a little bit, just when you're at your peak anxiety, to be able to just reflect and be like, "Look, this isn't me. This is the anxiety talking," and it'll pass. This too shall pass, as the Buddhist saying goes. And the way to look at it is kind of like uh, an analogy that they always use is like clouds. The clouds are going to form. They're going to be there. They're sometimes going to darken the sky. But in time, over a long enough timeline, they're always going to pass. And it's about being the sky as opposed to being whatever is under, uh, under the clouds that's being affected. It's being above it and knowing that, okay, there's darkness below now, but um, yeah, I, I don't know what other way to say that this sh- this too shall pass or a famous quote by John kabat in that um, you can't fight the waves, but you can learn to surf. I think it, it sounds a little bit hokey uh, when I say it out loud, but it, that that concept really helped me a lot that it's it's not about changing the flow of the water. It's not about saying there's never going to be another wave. It's about knowing that um, if I ride this for long enough and in the proper way, then uh, I'm safe. I'm on a board and I'll eventually hit the shore. And so being able to share that with a child uh, and of course he only gets, he only understands snippets of it um, and only can apply even when he understands it intellectually. When he's scared, he's scared because he's still a kid, Uh, but I'm not, the most long game that I'm playing in life. It's not my career, it's not my marriage or anything like that. It's, it's how he'll deal with emotions and thoughts as he grows. Because I think that's the greatest hack that any of us have. And that's the, the, the key to happiness, to success, to everything. If you're self-aware and you know how to deal um, with everything that comes with being a human being, I think what else can you ask for? And so that's always been my focus with him, and doubly more so now, uh, just being aware of what he's experiencing and helping him through it, and really sharing with him that this too shall pass. And in the meantime, whatever anxieties we have, whatever stressors we have, uh, we just we we deal them. We deal with them in the in as good of a way as we can. We deal with them with positivity, um, with with distraction sometimes. Um, yeah, in whatever way we can, that doesn't spiral further down. And so I think I went on a little bit of a tangent um, there because the idea was how difficult it's been to not show that part and not have our own anxieties affect him. And in talking with parents, I think going outside is where our kids experience it the most because we're all like, wash your hands, don't touch your face, all that sort of thing. And that's, I worry that that's the stuff that's really going to kind of sink into, into their psyches and turn them into a generation of germaphobes. But, I mean, there are worse things than being a germaphobe, I guess, unless it gets to the extreme. And we do the best we can, and it's better to be protected now and deal with the consequences later than the alternative. And so there's really no choice at times. But at the same time, speaking to them after, like, you know, it's, you know, it's important, but it's not everything. And so that's been my, uh, what I've had to work on because the, my anxieties at the beginning of this were off the charts. Um, and as we kind of get into a groove, it's been uh, going better. But more importantly, I've been able to kind of deal with it better in front of him. So that's on parenting. Um, and that's on anxiety and meditation and meditation. Um, that's really what i've been focused on through this and how we always ask people what's what's your silver lining and it's the this it is the time with the kids but it's also the opportunity to really connect in a way that um, is almost impossible when you when you get two to three hours a day and in that you're fitting dinner and showers and book times and all that uh, now you we actually have time to sit and talk and Parker and I have chats all the time where he doesn't necessarily want to always have them. Um, But if it's important enough, uh, then he's going to. And as long as as we do it in a way that's engaging to him, uh, I think there's never been a better time to touch on a lot of this stuff. And we've never had a better opportunity to. So that's that. As far as life... uh, We've spoken about this a little bit before on the podcast um where this has really put has really caused us to reprioritize what's important to us we've loved living downtown uh people kind of give us the side eye when we say we live with a six-year-old in a one bedroom we share a room we have this kind of uh, bed bunk set up and people are like how are you guys doing that like it's such a sp- small space you don't get any time to yourselves as parents and we've just really enjoyed being surra- being in this community and being close to the beach and to schools and being shot, uh, walking distance to everything and never needing a car. But now, as he's getting older already, but in addition to that, having this whole situation, it's really put into perspective that it'd be nice to have a place where you're safe on your own, um, where you don't have to go through a sea of people every time you need to leave the house and that in a way that sounds like anxiety and it is but it's also the reality that we're dealing with and if listening and in listening to a lot of scientists and um infectious disease experts saying that this isn't going to be the last time and um it's also not going to end overnight or you know even if we have a vaccine there's no guarantees that that vaccine is going to be hundred percent effective of how long it's going to last. Whether we'll need to do a new one every year. So this is just going to be part of life for a while. Um, and if not for this round, then you know the next time this comes and that's put into perspective to have your own space um, and to not have to defend or uh, sorry depend on public spaces to be able to get some relief from being indoors all day. And sure, you can you can go for walks and some people are in better situations and live in areas where it's easier to go out and go for walks. But for us right now, it's walking through a lot of people uh, potentially to get out of the building. And then downtown is just unless things get considerably worse and people start getting a little more fear in them, I don't see things getting any better as far as social distancing. It's it's not very. doesn't make you feel optimistic walking around downtown, or or for us, it's driving around downtown, trying to get out of downtown to a place that's more open. doesn't make you feel optimistic because it it really seems like a lot of people are not taking it seriously, and this is a type of thing um, that um, needs to be taken seriously in order for everyone to get the benefits. Um, If some people don't take it seriously, then all the benefits that are being put out by those of us staying at home uh, and doing all that um, they're kind of all for naught because it doesn't matter if there's you know if 30 percent of the population continues to spread it around then they might develop some herd immunity but the rest of us are at risk and even today there was a protest near our house where apparently like 30 to 50 people were out there chanting open your eyes wake up uh, thinking this is all a government conspiracy and I was saying to Michelle like I understand their point. I I think if you're prone to that kind of line of thinking, if you're, uh, excuse me, a bit of a conspiracy theorist, it's not hard to, it's not hard to go down that road and kind of find some justification for that idea that we're being kept indoors, that those in power are using this opportunity to seize power, which I think is happening for sure, um, uh, and then, but then if you go to the even more extreme side, it's, well, they're, they're all gonna, they're gonna make the vaccine um, mandatory. And now you you don't really know what you're getting vaccine and they're using us to, to enforce social tracking in a way that we'll agree to and all that um, kind of draconian um, kind of line of thinking. And, you know, if it's, it's not difficult to see their side, if you're being empathetic, uh, all that. You know, could be true, I suppose. Um, I wouldn't give it a very high probability, but it's possible, I suppose. But in the meantime, uh, it doesn't help. Um, and when you talk to people in healthcare, like it's not there. They, there's nobody in healthcare right now. Or I shouldn't say that because I'm sure there are, but there's very few people, and none that I've spoken to or come across that are thinking this is anything but reality and serious and is, is exactly what the government is telling us. So for all of us non-conspiracy theorists, um, it really, it's worrisome that there's such a, a, it seems like a growing population of people. And I don't know what it's going to take. We spoke about this a little bit on the podcast with Liam. Uh, hopefully it doesn't take someone they know and love getting sick for it to really hit home but unfortunately that's just the way it is for a lot of people and while he was talking about it I was thinking and really reminded me of Republican senators in the U.S. who are um, very homophobic and anti-gay rights and then one of their kids or someone they know someone in their family comes out and they do a 180 about turn um and I don't uh, it seems like for some people that really is the only way it works. And that's unfortunate. And so I don't know if a lot more people have to get sick in these communities that are fighting against it. There was that preacher in the US that refused to shut down services because um, he believed Jesus' was, Jesus's blood was going to protect him and he ended up dying. So I, I haven't stayed up to date on that story. I don't know what the rest of his uh, congregation, how they feel about that, whether that's finally put some fear into them and, and led them to rethink their strategy or if they're just using it as like, you know, he's some sort of martyr or something like that. Um, So hopefully it doesn't have to come to that, but we don't know if it does or doesn't. And in the meantime, being stuck in an apartment, especially with summer coming, it's starting to get warm out uh, and it's it's not going to be a fun thing. So we've been looking at places. That was a long-winded way uh, of saying that. We've been looking at places, uh, at houses that have backyards, that have more space. And it's really led us to reprioritize where we spend our money, how much we can put towards rent uh, and eventually perhaps purchasing a house, which I've always been against. Um, I just didn't think it was necessary and it tied you down and having a mortgage for 20, 30 years just didn't seem like an enticing thing. But um, this has made me rethink a, a, a lot of that. And also more importantly, I've had this idea uh, that I call the urban kibbutz, kind of jokingly. And for those who don't know, kibbutz is kind of um, an Israeli concept where a lot of families live together and work together and share their resources. And it's usually on a farm and they um, use the farm to sustain themselves. Uh, whether like just self-sustaining for their own needs or to sell, uh, to grow stuff that they sell and use uh, in order to grow the kibbutz. And all the kids kind of play together and go to school together and everybody eats together. It's just like a giant community, basically like a commune, I guess would be a more common um, understanding of it. And so I've been speaking about the urban kibbutz of doing something like that in the city of getting I've been trying basically for probably the last like five to seven years of convincing every family member and friend uh, to pool together and for us all to rent out like a giant mansion with eight bedrooms and uh, a ton of property space. And there was never even a little bit of uh, interest from, uh, I never understood why, because it seems like an awesome idea, but I grew up going to summer camp where that was kind of That that was the way of life. So for me, it was a very natural thing. Whereas I think for a lot of people I was speaking to, it wasn't so much that. It was just a crazy concept. But now it's really kind of taken hold. And I think slowly people are coming down around to the idea that if this is going to be at least a year, if not two years, if not more, I think the fa- if, if the vaccine came out in 18 months, that would be the fastest vaccine that's ever been developed. This is a new stat that I heard the other day that didn't make me feel great. And that really for anything major, the, the earliest uh, vaccine that was released was something like four years in. And so it's a bit of a different story now because the whole world's united behind this one thing and they've already started some human trials in China. I read yesterday very small thing and it's still a long way to go but some promising results at least enough to to get some human trials going and so i think with the whole world behind it we should be able to smash that four-year mark but it's no guarantee and if we have that vaccine like i said it's no guarantee that that's going to last very long that it won't mutate that we won't need to to do this again Uh, in fact most people are saying that's unavoidable Um, and if that's the case like why not build a community of your loved ones where everyone is more connected this is we've only been separated like this each member of the family living separately doing their own lives for I don't know just a couple of generations basically since the American dream was built right uh, where every family needed a home and needed to buy their own car and and c- when consumerism took, took hold uh, I'm not a histo- uh, American historian so I, I don't know maybe this was in the It feels like when television came out around that time, this is when kind of this propaganda started. But for all of time before that and still in a lot of places to this day, it's all about community. It's all about staying with every member of your family and all working together and the kids playing together and being able to support one another as parents. And we've lost that. And for a long time, I think, I've been on the kick about finding getting some of that back in some way. It might not be the same way it is in other places or the way it used to be, but I don't really see the benefit anymore, Um, especially because Michelle and I didn't have uh, a lot of support with Parker and we went through a lot of struggles, um, specifically with him not sleeping for more than four hours a day um, for the first almost two years. And at that point, just realizing that being disconnected like this is I should say so we didn't have any support because so we we had um some and specifically one person who might be listening. Linda, we love you so much and uh you saved our lives truly. Um but having that kinda support system uh and for us, it's not so much for us anymore. We we don't really need that support. And of course, there could come a situation where we would. But at this time, it's not about us. It's looking outwardly at other members of our family, those aging. Um, we, Michelle and I both have uh, sisters who are single moms and um, all of our kids starting to grow and they'll they need more support than just their parents your, your parents it's very tough for anybody's parents to be a full-fledged support system I mean they have to be and they are in some ways but the, there could only be benefits from having a bigger community together and for um, to to have the urban kibbutz philosophy kind of permeate a little bit within forget the whole world but at least with our, in our direct circle uh i can't imagine how that could uh, be a negative and so you know we're hoping to start that with family um potentially move in with some members of our family uh coming up here real soon and you know my philosophy now is saying to michelle i was joking with michelle earlier today my philosophy is now now is instead of convincing people it's more of like if you build it they will come and so i think for me it's it's time to maybe this was the universe's way of pushing us towards that in some way. and Maybe this will lead us to something that we might have, if we had ever gotten there, it, it wouldn't have been for, for a long, time, long, long time from now. And instead of it being when our kids are teenagers or older, um, now we have a situation which is pushing us to do it sooner and who knows who knows uh, the benefits that will yield and when this is all over how meaningful the fact that we had to do that that they're in a situation where that was really uh, a necessary thing how 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 positive that that will or what kind of positives that will result in long term and so that's that's me and i think michelle is completely on board now of the if we build it they will come and if it starts with one or two family members and then grows to a couple more, and then one day uh, we have a couple of friends who see what we're doing and kind of... There's a basketball player named Mike Big, Mike Bibby who used to play for here for the Vancouver Grizzlies um, and uh, is a fan favorite of some members of my family. And what uh, I, I watched a little documentary on him a while back before this all started, and what he did was... I can't remember where it is, maybe in California, No, I don't think it was California. Anyways, I can't remember where it is, but somewhere in the States, he essentially used his money to build his family a couple of mansions in a cul-de-sac. Yeah, like a little cul-de-sac basically bought the entire cul-de-sac out, bought everybody their own house. Forget whether it's a mansion or not. That's not really the important point. And they all have basically their own little community. And I remember seeing that and pointing out to michelle and making her come watch and saying see this is what i'm talking about this is the urban kibbutz it's not like the kibbutz of israel where you're all living in you know you're all living in communal living Uh, it's just about bringing people together who 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 should be together who want to be together and uh, who would benefit from being in close proximity as opposed to scattered all over the city for us um, all and even more so all over the country and many different countries for a lot of people. For us, we've been fortunate that it's basically between BC and Alberta. But for most everyone else I know, it's it could be a lot more widespread than that. And so that's, that's kind of the road we're heading towards. And we hope to be able to find a place to kind of begin this journey. And we hope through that, um, our anxieties can be reduced and... Um, the kids, uh, our son, and any of the kids of our family members who come with us can be reduced. And we can just kind of start living, treating it as more of a vacation from the world um, a little bit, where we're just growing and, and building bonds as a family. I think if, if anything positive is going to come out of, that, out of this, then that, that seems like a good thing for it to be. And so that's that. So that's an update on um, the state of affairs here and where we're going with it and tomorrow we're going to have an amazing lady on the podcast michelle will be back and we're going to have a lady who runs a charity called mamas for mamas who's doing amazing things um, in her community and um, spreading all over and hopefully that too that is another positive that can come out of this is sharing these stories and uh, being able to kind of unite the people who are in it for the right reasons and i feel like that's what we've done i feel like everybody we've spoken to on this podcast we've been fortunate that everybody's on the same page everybody's trying to head towards the light find goodness in the situation and um i don't know maybe bring bring some comfort to others and and some joy and yeah comfort comfort's a good word so i'll end with that thank you to anybody listening and We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be well.